0: And welcome to Bookish Babbles, the podcast where we reread our favorite books and chat about them. I'm your host, Allison, and without further ado, let's get started. <music> Welcome to episode 18 of Bookish Babbles. Today we're going to be talking about chapters 19 to 21 of The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Hello. How's everyone doing? It's been a while since I chatted with you guys. Um, uh, I've forgotten how to speak in podcast. <laughs> anyway, I am back in the United States. Uh, I was in Ireland for a whole week with my mom and grandparents seeing multiple different places. We had, we had so much fun. Uh, ultimate tours. We took a tour bus and all. Uh, went to Dublin, Shannon, uh, Galway for a few hours. I would definitely want to go back there and explore more of Galway because I, I was only there for a couple hours. Uh, we saw the Rings of Kerry. I held a baby lamb. Uh, we saw the island where they filmed uh, the end of The Force Awakens uh, from a distance. Um, you have to charter a boat to get out there. I have... really crappy photo of it on my phone because it's fairly far out and most days it's so foggy and cloudy around it you can't even see the island so we were actually really lucky to be able to see it at all that well and I can see why the monks who originally inhabited that island uh, chose that spot for isolation because it's far and hard to get to Um, It's also just amazing how they were able to build everything like the stairs that we see Ray climb in the movie um, were handmade by monks and this was like the 14th century like no modern tools and it's amazing and I just want to go back and visit the island. And I also bought quite a few books as I knew I would like I even packed an extra tote bag to be my second carry-on because I knew this would happen. Um, maybe I'll do a little book haul on my Instagram, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but one thing I will tell you I got was a new set of the Hunger Games series. Um, so Ireland sells the UK editions and I couldn't resist getting the whole series, including Ballad, of course, which I think Ballad is my favorite cover out of all of them. And, uh, speaking of Ballad, uh, did you guys see the teaser trailer that they made? Uh, I love it. Uh, Can you tell that I'm also starved for more ballad content? You know, I'll take any crumbs that they give me. And also, we have more casting news. Um, So uh, Josh Andres Rivera was cast as Sejanus Plinth. And funny enough, he's dating Rachel, aka Lucy Gray. The two of them are dating in real life. And he even starred alongside her in West Side Story, where, ironically, he played the character who was romantically interested in Maria, Rachel's character, but ultimately, you know, he wasn't destined to get the girl. And, jo- and you know, Josh was also in a film called Cat Person, according to his IMDb. Uh, we also got Ashley Leo as Clemencia. Um, she was on Fuller House and... And the Disney movie, I think is on Disney Plus, Secret Society of Second Born Royals. Uh, We have Mackenzie Lansing as Coral, who's the tribute from District 4. Um, She was in a web series called Knights of New Jersey. And according to her IMDb, will soon be on Mayor of Easttown, the HBO Max series with Kate Winslet. So good for her. Um, We also have Knox Gibson as Bobbin, the kid from District 8 and and he is best known for starring in the net netflix film net netflix film i can't talk um forgive us our trespasses and we also have amar hussein as felix ravenhill who's one of the mentors and he's related to the current president at the time in the book um no other films are mentioned on his IMDb page but according to his bio he speaks English, Urdu and and um and Arabic which is really cool and is a skilled skilled gymnast um and lastly the we have uh, Jerome Lance as Marcus who's from District 2 and I think um and I think this is this is his first film since it's um, Bella's the only one listed on his IMDB. So good for him. Really happy. Um, I think the actor who played Thresh in the movie, I think that was also his first job. So the franchise is continuing to help new actors get their foot in the door. So yay. Love to see it. Still waiting on the Dr. Gall and Tigris casting. Um, they start filming in like a, about a month, maybe a little less than a month. So ah, so excited. Can't wait to see some onset photos, so I hope nothing too much gets leaked because you know that tends to happen. Um, you now, we've just been hearing about this movie like since the book was announced, and it's finally happening, and I almost can't believe it's happening like it's like all these casting news just like make it feel so official and ah. And I will be insufferable I will be an insufferable Lucy Gray and Rachel Ziegler stand the whole time. I will defend all of Lucy Gray's actions in the movie just like I do with the book and I will defend Rachel's performance. <laughs> anyway, um Enough about Ballad. Uh we're here to talk about the Hunger Games book. We are now on part three, The Victor. So last time, uh, Katniss and Rue's plan to destroy the career's food supply is successful. Uh, The most heartbreaking scene in the book happens. Uh, Rue dies, but her death may or may not spark future events. And there's a new rule change that, you know, changes the game completely. Uh, This week, Katniss finds Peeta and has to find a way to heal him. She gets a little better at playing the star-crossed lover's angle, and the tributes get invited to a feast. So with all that being said, let's dive into chapter 19. So we pick up um, right where the last chapter left off. Claudius has just made the announcement about the rule change and Katniss shouts out Peta's name. So the chapter opens with Katniss immediately clapping her hand over her mouth and anticipating an attack then she remembers that the arena's huge and hardly anyone is left in it anyway and after a while no one comes to attack her so she should be in the clear uh now it doesn't matter whatever doubts Katniss has about Peta in the past because now he's her best ally and she wonders if uh she and Peta are the reason that the rule change uh happened cuz you know Peeta sold the romance so well, and it's now so popular that condemning it would jeopardize the success of the games, and everything Peter's done has not, in fact, been a threat to her. <clears throat> I could have told you that from the beginning, Katniss. But whatever. So, um, she even smiles thinking about this. And when was the last time Katniss smiled in this book? At the beginning, in the woods with Gale, at some point with Peter before the game started. I'm not sure. I don't remember. It's just really important to me right now that Katniss smiled, um. In case you don't know already, hi, my name's Allison, and I'm an insufferable Everlark shipper. Nice to meet you. Apologies to anyone who's Team Gale. Anyway, uh, Katniss goes through the list of who's left. Uh, Foxface, whom she's not too worried about since her strategy seems to be avoiding everyone else. And also her district partner's dead, so she's operating alone. Poor Foxface. Um, And then there's Thresh, who is a, you know, a distinct threat and likely off on his own in the field that Katniss hasn't explored yet and Kato and Clove are the only ones who other ones who benefit from the rule change. Uh, Katniss goes to sleep and plans to search for Peeta in the morning. Uh, when she does start her search Katniss has to be extra careful since the careers will know that she's looking for Peeta who is currently quite injured. Uh, she tries to f- figure out where Peeta possibly could have gone to. The last time she saw him was when he saved her from Cato. Uh, he couldn't have gotten very far, injured, and high on tracker jacker venom. Eventually, she concludes that he must be hiding near a stream somewhere since he would need water in order to stay alive. Uh, before heading off, she does start a fire to hopefully confuse the others. And eventually, uh, she comes to a muddy area by the stream with large rocks that start to make her feel a bit trapped. And just when she decides to move, she sees dried blood going down uh the curve of a boulder. She finds more bloodstains but no signs of PETA. But not to worry because PETA announces himself by saying, You here to finish me off, sweetheart? <laughs> because Pete is nothing without some something witty to say. And he's literally right underneath Katniss hiding in the ground. Um Pete and like yeah, and his, thinks that Peter should have shown the game makers um you know his ability to camouflage instead of throwing heavy things because then he would have earned a 10 for sure and like katna said all those hours of decorating cakes paid off which Peter hilariously follows up by saying yes frosting the final defense of dying okay this is something the movies especially the first one nearly leaves out and that's Peter's sense of humor because he's got a lot of good lines especially here And knowing me, I'm going to end up reading a lot of them out loud to you guys, so fair warning. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, Like this one, when Peeta whispers in Katniss's ear, Remember, we're madly in love, so it's all right to kiss me anytime you feel like it. All joking aside, he is right about that. And what's definitely not a joke are his injuries. He can't even move on his own. Katniss has uh has to get him to the edge of the stream and clean as much mud and dirt off of him as she can then treats the tracker jacker and burn wounds on his upper arm and uh, she uses the pills from marvel's first aid kit to help uh, reduce his fever though he's still pretty sick since he's hasn't been hungry for days and the best his stomach he manages to eat some dried fruit and when it's time to look at his leg katniss nearly runs away and i'll spare you guys too many details Uh, But let's just say that it's swollen, a bit bloody, and there's a lot of pus. So Katniss uh, does her best to to have the same, like, calm demeanor as her mother when she's treating a patient. And what's ironic at this point is that Prim would have been more helpful to PETA in this situation than Katniss is. Since, you know, Katniss flees when her mother is treating anything worse than a cold and nearly throws up her breakfast as she's cleaning the pus out of PETA. And then there's a wonderful dialogue that starts on page, uh, 257. So it starts when Peter says, uh, Katniss? Peter says, I meet his eye, knowing my face must be some shade of green. He mouths the words, how about that kiss? I burst out laughing because the whole thing is so revolting I can't stand it. Something wrong? He asks a little too innocently. I, I'm no good at this. I'm not my mother. I've no idea what I'm doing, and I hate pus, I say. Ugh. I allow myself to let out a groan as I rinse away the first round of leaves and apply the second. Ugh. How do you hunt? He asks. Trust me, killing things is much easier than this, I said. Although for all I know, I'm killing you. Can you speed it up a little? He asks. No. Shut up and eat your pears, I say. So after cleaning uh, the pus out of Peta's leg, it starts to look better. Um, though the cut still goes down to the bone, so ugh. Uh, then they continue to have even more great dialogue when Katniss washes his shorts. Uh, starts on page 258. So, starts with Katniss saying, here, cover yourself with this and I'll wash your shorts. Oh, I don't care if you see me, says Peeta. You're just like the rest of my family, I say. I care, alright? I turn my back and look... At the stream, until the undershorts splash into the current, he must be feeling a bit better if he can throw. You know, you're kind of squeamish for such a lethal person, says Peta. as I beat the shorts clean between two rocks. I wish that I'd let you give Hamish a shower after all. I wrinkle my nose at the memory. What's he send you so far? Not a thing, says Peta. Then there's a pause as it hits him. Why did you get something? Burn medicine, I say, almost sheepishly. Oh, and some bread. I always knew you were his favorite," says Peta. "Please, he can't stand being in the same room with me," I say, because you're just alike," murmurs Peta. I ignore it though, because this really isn't the time for me to be insulting Hamish, which is my first impulse. <laughs> Poor Hamish. So after that, they go and find uh, somewhere to hide, since they're o- they're obviously very vulnerable out in the open with an injured Peta. Uh, Katniss wants to hide in a tree, but, you know, getting Peta up one is kind of impossible, so she settles for a nearby cave. Uh, af- and after setting up inside, a very notable thing happens. Starts on page 260 with Peta saying, Katniss, thanks for finding me. You would have found me if you could, I say, his forehead burning up, like the like the medicine's having no effect at all. Suddenly, out of nowhere, I'm scared he's going to die. Yes, look, if I don't make it back, he begins, don't talk like that, I didn't drain all that pus for nothing, I say. I know, but just in case I don't, he tries to continue, no, Pita, I don't even want to discuss it, I say, placing my fingers on his lips to quiet him, but, he insists, impulsively I lean forward and kiss him, stopping his words, this is probably overdue anyway, since he- he's right, we are supposed to be madly in love, it's the first time I've ever kissed a boy, which should make some sort of impression, I guess. But all I can register is how unnaturally hot his lips are from the fever. I break away and pull the edge of the sleeping bag up around him. You're not going to die. I forbid it. All right? All right. He whispers. Now, technically, this is the first time they kiss, obviously. And while it makes no impression on Katniss, definitely made an impression on Peeta. And... I can imagine that the capital audience is loving it and probably screaming and clapping like you know we do when like what we do when we see our favorite TV or movie couple kiss. And then Katniss is rewarded for kissing him because she gets another sponsor gifts from Hamish, a pot of broth, so you know, this message is pretty obvious <clears throat> keep up the Starcross Lovers Act and you get food. And the chapter ends with Katniss giving Peeta another kiss to wake him up and to show him the broth. So, that being said, time to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about chapter 20. Hey guys, it's Allison from a different point in time. And I'm here to give you another random recommendation. So, before I give the recommendation, fun fact about me. It is that I loathe. Like absolutely low most self-help books and just like I don't know like these motivational speakers in general because I don't know I just find them really unhelpful and I'm not saying all of them I'm just saying most that I've that I've seen because so many of them uh say things like oh uh, you are 100% in control of everything if you are not happy it's because you're doing something wrong it's your fault and that just feels so gaslighty and i feel like most people who write self-help books like that just come from these very like privileged backgrounds and not everyone comes from those backgrounds and and i'm sorry but the truth is like we are not fully in control of everything that happens in our lives which is terrifying and is something i kind of struggle to deal with at times but it's true And, you know, if something really horrible happens, like, especially something traumatic happens to you, it's like, that was not your fault. And to just push this idea of you're in control of everything is just so gaslighty. It's like, it makes my blood boil. I can't, I can't stand stuff like that. So I, I've rejected most self-help books that push like a this toxic hustle culture. But anyway, ironically, um, this is. I'm here to recommend a quote-unquote self-help book, which is like one of the few quote-unquote self-help books that I feel like actually can ha- actually helps, and it helped me, and it's helped a few other friends that I know who don't like self-help books either. And that is the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson, and it it's it exactly what it sounds like, like just helping you learn to prioritize like what to actually give a fuck about and and it is really helpful and it's something I'm still trying to do because I am the type of person who sometimes cares too much and wants everyone to like me and this book is honestly like really helpful for me in trying not to be like that too often because that's not good for your mental state you need to prioritize the things That you actually care about and to care less about what other people especially strangers or very loose acquaintances think of you and so yeah i like i said this is coming from someone who does not like self-help books i like this self-help book the subtle art of not giving a fuck by mark manson and he also wrote another book called everything is fucked and i like that one and that one was written in 2019 I I'd like to see him write a sort of follow up after everything that happened in the past couple of years because you know 2020 was an insane year. I would be very curious what he has to say about that especially like internet culture which he touched on in Everything is Fucked. But yeah, anyway, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck recommend and the audiobooks also really good. So, back to the episode Okay, we're back. So <clears throat> it takes Katniss an hour to get Peeta to eat the whole broth and then she lets him go to sleep. Uh, no new deaths are reported in the night sky that day. Hopefully the game makers let them have a peaceful night since Katniss and Peta provided enough entertainment for the day. Uh, Katniss mostly spends the night taking care of Peta, trying to keep him cool because, you know, his fever is crazy and she changes his bandages. In the morning, his fever thankfully breaks. Uh, Katniss then goes to gather some berries. And when she comes back, Peeta is trying and struggling to get up. Uh, and Peeta, being the sweetheart he is, has the nerve to worry about Katniss being gone for a few minutes while he's l- while he literally has one foot in the grave. And people wonder why me and a lot of other people love him. Anyway, uh, Peeta continues to be sweet. Uh, to be a sweetheart by telling Katniss to get some sleep since he can tell she was up all night. And I, I just love little things like this so much because Katniss has, has had to be, be strong, the strong one for years. Like, she never gets to be the vulnerable one, and that's exhausting. We can't be strong all of the time, it's impossible. it, it It's just so nice that someone is like taking care of her right now, even if it's just for a little small moment. And Katniss tells him to wake her in a couple hours, but Peeta naturally lets her sleep longer because it's well into the afternoon when she wakes up. Are you good? <sighs> uh, She's annoyed, but I support his decision, Katniss. You needed it. And I was recently on an overnight flight to Dub- Dublin and I couldn't sleep because I have a hard time sleeping on planes. Our flight left Boston at like 6 p.m. and... About six hours later, we landed in Dublin about, like, 5.45 a.m. because, you know, of the magic of time travel, a.k.a. time zones. Uh, We couldn't check into our our hotel until, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. And I was literally falling asleep as we were walking through a museum. Like, once we were able to check in, I passed out for, like, five hours, slept through dinner. So my mom brought me back falafels and chips, and they were delicious. So yes, Katniss, suck it up. You needed the sleep. But the cute moment is cut short because Katniss realizes that PETA has blood poisoning and he's going to need capital medicine. So the best they can do is either hope some sympathetic sponsor sends them the very expensive medicine they need. And I do mean very because items get more expensive as the days keep going or just hope that PETA manages to somehow outlast the others. Uh, But the good news is that it's so brutally hot that they don't have to risk a fire because Katniss can literally just cook the food on the rocks outside. So uh, she makes soup, sets some snares, and when she goes back inside, Peeta asks her to tell a story, specifically something happy, the happiest day of her life. Uh, Katniss understandably had a bit of a hard time thinking of one. Because uh, most of the ones she thinks of involve being in the woods with Gale, but that won't play over well with the Capitol audience. Uh, so instead, um, we get the story about how how Katniss got Prim's goat. Hello, Yorick again. Now, uh, Katniss has to tell an edited version of the story out loud since she's still on national TV and she doesn't want to get anyone back home in trouble, Uh, but we, the reader, are inside her head, so we get the actual version. So the story goes, uh, in late May, the day before Prim's 10th birthday, so this would have been about a couple years ago, uh, Katniss and Gail go hunting, uh, hoping to get enough to buy Prim something nice for her birthday. Uh, they start off with their average Friday night haul, which is a bit of a disappointment. <sighs> uh, but their luck soon changes when they come uh, when they take down a young buck. They wait until it's dark to bring the deer to the butcher, so that they don't look like they're rubbing it in the officials' faces by carrying the deer into town in the middle of the day. Uh, we learn that the butcher's name is Ruba, and according to Katniss, Ruba is not someone you haggle with. She sets one price, and you can take it or leave it, but it's always a fair price. After selling the deer to Ruba, it's the most money Katniss and Gail ha- have ever held in their lives, even after splitting it among themselves. They decide to keep the money a secret and surprise their families the next day. Meanwhile, Katniss tells Pita that she got the money by selling an old silver locket. Anyway, so... Back to the real story. Uh, When Katniss and Gale go shopping the next day, Katniss is looking at dress materials to buy for Prim. But then she sees the old man with the goats. She doesn't know his name. Everyone just calls him the Goat Man. Uh, Goat Man is known for being an asshole, but he cares for his goats. And he's lucky because he was able to save up enough money so that he could have something to do uh, once he could no longer work in the mines, I guess. Pan Am doesn't have a retirement plan for its citizens. Then again, I shouldn't be surprised that they're complete—you know—that they're completely fine with just letting their senior citizens starve to death once they're no longer of any use. Um, Katniss sees that one of the goats is lying down in a cart since uh, her shoulder was mauled and infection has set in. And right then and there, Katniss wants to buy the goat for Prim, not only because you know Prim would love it and would know how to fix her up. But because having a goat can change your life since goats can feed on just about anything and they can produce four quarts of milk a day, you know, to drink or to make into cheese. And it's completely legal to sell cheese. And according to Goatman, the butcher is already uh, planning on buying it. But then Ruba shows up and proves just how awesome she is. Uh, She tells Goatman that their deal is off since the goats... um, he he undersold like just how injured the goat actually was, and tells him to sell it to Katniss if she's stupid enough to take her. But then winks that Katniss as she walks away. <laughs> so Goatman um is pissed, but still wants to get rid of the goat. Uh, but he's still, but still takes him and Katniss half an hour or hour to agree on a price, and they even draw a crowd who weighs in their opinions. Uh, but they come to a, an agreement uh gail offers to carry the goat home Prim's so excited uh she and mrs everdeen get to work and manage to heal the goat who she names lady and when she finishes the story cat uh, Katniss and pita have a little bit of banter and then trumpets sound and claudius makes another announcement as expected it's an invitation to a feast uh Katniss's immediate reaction is to wave it off since she and PETA are set on being able to get food but then Claudius promises that it won't be an ordinary feast. Each of them needs something desperately. So this is going to be the only real chance they have to heal Pita's leg. And Pita being Pita immediately tells Katniss not to go. And Katniss being Katniss is a bad liar. And can't convincingly tell Pita that, you know, of course I won't go. What are you talking about? Um... He also tells her she should never play cards because she has no poker face and would lose her last coin. He's got a point. Um, Then the two of them start to argue as they do. Katniss insists on going. PETA threatens to drag himself to follow her and shout her name the whole time because, you know, then someone will surely find him and kill him. Uh, So now they're kind of at a bit of a standstill. Katniss can't just sit there and watch him die. Both she and the audience would loathe her for it. So, Peta promises that if she doesn't go, he'll do whatever she says, eat whatever she wants him to do, and everything can't stay alive. So, for now, Katniss agrees. Um, Later, when Katniss goes down to the stream, uh, she's sent another sponsor gift. And for a second, she hopes that it's the medicine that Peta needs, but it's sleep syrup. Enough to knock out a person for a day. Hmm, interesting. So, Katniss mashes up some berries adds the syrup and mint, then the chapter ends with her tricking PETA into eating them. And he even figures it out by the last bite and tries to spit it out and Katniss literally like forces him to swallow it. Then he passes out. So yeah, another notable difference between the uh, book PETA and movie PETA, because like in the movie, PETA literally just falls asleep and Katniss goes to the feast and he doesn't wake up until she gets back and I feel like people who have only seen the movies or maybe just haven't read the books in a while uh, think of Peeta as this pushover and sure he's more he's more passive when compared to Katniss but uh, Peeta's not a complete pushover in the books. He's stubborn too. He's not afraid to challenge Katniss and he even as he's being forced unconscious he is fighting to the last second to make sure katniss doesn't go and risk her life so yeah P- is not a pushover he's still a strong person so uh, with that many rants being said uh time for another break uh when we come back we'll talk about what happens at the feast hey hey guys me again with another random recommendation so uh for this one i wanna i'm gonna recommend a book by an author that i weirdly have not talked about on this podcast i don't think which is, which is strange because i really love this author um and by the way he also just uh came out with a new book which um ironically is a self-help book which i know i just said in the last segment i don't like self-help books but i'm gonna trust him to write a, he's one of the few people i would trust to write a self-help book And the author, his name is Matthew Dix, and his new book is called, what's it called? Someday. Should have written this down. Whoops. Um, But I just got in the mail. I'm going to start reading it soon. See if, you know, I was right to trust him to write a self-help book. But anyway, um, I do trust his novels. And the one that I'm going to recommend today is also my favorite one that I've read by him so far. It's called Memoirs of an Imaginary Friend. So Imaginary Friend Uh, budo narrates this heartwarming story of love loyalty and the power of imagination the perfect read for anyone who has ever had a friend real or otherwise budo was lucky as imaginary friends go he's been alive for more than five years which is possibly which which is positively ancient in the world of imaginary friends but budo feels his age and thinks constantly of the day when eight-year-old maxa delaney will stop believing in him When that happens, Bundo will disappear. Max is different from other children. Some people say he has Asperger's Syndrome, but most just say he's on the spectrum. Uh, None of this matters to Bundo, who loves Max and is uh, charged with protecting him from the class bully, from awkward situations in the cafeteria, and even in the bathroom stalls. But he can't protect Max from Mrs. Patterson, the woman who works with Max in the learning center, and who believes that she alone is qualified to care for this young boy? So yeah, <clears throat> wonder wonderful story. Um, I my grandma recommends it because I got her to read it and she loves it. Um, and and Matthew's just a wonderful human being. I've been lucky enough to meet him uh, on his book launches and i want everyone to read his books because they because they're fantastic and a, and yeah so memoirs of an imaginary friend by matthew dix uh with that being said uh back to the episode all right we are back <clears throat> excuse me uh so this chapter opens with the day coming to an end and katniss making preparations for the next day Uh, She camouflages the cave opening enough to keep it concealed but still leave a way out. Uh, Fills their bottles with water, purifies them, makes dinner with some fish. And as she settles in for the night, she starts to think about everyone back home. Because with a big event like a feast happening, school will likely be canceled for the day. And also wonders what Gail thinks about all the kissing she and Peta have been doing. Doesn't matter, Katniss. He's not worth it. Anyway, uh, Katniss leaves a, a few hours before dawn and heads to the cornucopia, even gives Peeta a long kiss before leaving in order to maintain the whole star-crossed lover storyline. Uh, Katniss makes her way to the same hiding spot Rue told her about when she blew up the career supplies and just to wait there. And when the sun rises the ground in front of the mouth of the cornucopia opens up and a table with four backpacks on it rises. Uh, Two large packs with the numbers 2 and 11 on them, a medium-sized green bag with the number 5, and a small orange one with the number 12. And as soon as the table clicks into place, Foxface sprints out of the cornucopia, grabs her pack, and flees into the woods. And it's a genius move, because, you know, while everyone's still positioned around the woods trying to figure out, like, what to do, Foxface has her pack, and she's running away. And very unlikely that anyone would chase after her, since she only took hers. And no one wants to leave their own pack vulnerable for someone else to take. So now Katniss has to sprint to the table to get her pack before someone else does. And she hears a knife coming, thankfully, uh, on her right. You know, the ear that's actually still working. She uses her bow to deflect the knife. Then Katniss turns and fires an arrow at Clove. uh, Brushes her arm and slows her down for a moment. Katniss grabs her pack and turns to fire another arrow. And another knife slices her right eyebrow. Then Clove slams in to Katniss and pins her down to the ground. Uh, Katniss hopes it'll be fast, but not likely since Clove will want to savor the moment. Uh, plus she feels like she has time with Cato watching her back somewhere in the woods, probably looking for Thresh. Uh, Katniss tries to make a bluff by claiming Peeta is, is in the, the woods nearby and even calls out his name. Clove considers for a couple seconds that Katniss is telling the truth, but ultimately doesn't buy it and then clove does does a villain monologue speech uh goes on about how they're gonna kill katniss peter will eventually die because you won't get the medicine yada 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 uh she also talks about how they killed rue which makes katniss angry enough to resolve that she'll stare clove down the whole time as a way not to give in and just as she braces herself someone lifts clove off her and it's thresh uh katniss is shocked naturally and she also notes that unlike the rest of them, Thresh looks like he's gained weight, so uh the field he's hiding out in, clearly he knows how to find food there. And there are no peacekeepers to stop him from eating, unlike back home. Uh, Thresh flings Clove on the ground and he is angry. He heard Clove uh he heard Clove's villain monologue and uh let's just say he's not very happy to learn about how Rue died. Uh, Clove calls out to Kato, but he's too far away to help. Thresh brings down a rock on Clove's temple, and even though it doesn't kill her right away, it's clear that she's a goner. Uh, then Thresh turns to Katniss, and I'm just going to read their interaction out loud for you guys, because it's, it's a good one. So it starts toward the bottom of page 287 with Thresh saying, What's she mean about Rue being your ally? I, I, we teamed up. Blew up the supplies. I tried to save her, I did, but he got there first. District 1, I say. Maybe if he knows I helped Rue, he won't, he won't choose some slow, sadistic end for me. And you killed him, he demands. Yes, I killed him. And buried her in flowers, I say, and sang her to sleep. Tears spring in my eyes. The tension, the fight goes out of me at the memory. And I'm overwhelmed by Rue and the pain in my head and my fear of thresh. "'and the moaning of the dying girl a few feet away. "'To sleep?' Thresh says gruffly. "'To death. I sang until she died,' I say. "'Your district. They send me bread. "'My hand reaches up, but not for an arrow that I know I'll never reach, "'just to wipe my nose. "'Do it fast, okay, Thresh?' "'Conflicting emotions cross Thresh's face. "'He lowers the rock and points at me, almost accusingly. "'Just this one time, I let you go.' for the little girl. You and me were even then. No more owed, you understand? I nod because I do understand, about owing, about hating it. I understand that if Thresh wins he'll have to go back and face a district that has already broken all the rules to thank me, and he is breaking the rules to thank me too. And I understand that, for the moment, Thresh is not going to smash in my skull. Clove! Kato's voice is much nearer now, I can tell by the pain in it that he sees her on the ground. You better run now, fire fire girl, says Thresh. And naturally, Katniss does not hesitate to run away, I would too. And when she's at the edge of the wood, she turns and sees what's going on. Thresh has taken both his and Cato's bags and is fleeing. Cato's uh, kneeling beside Clove, begging her to stay with him, but soon he realizes that there's nothing he can do to help her, and he goes to chase Thresh since, you know... He still is the thing that Kato desperately needs. And this is one of the moments that I desperately wish they had kept in the movie, along with Madge. Um, and it's such a small moment, but I think that it means so much. Because up until this point, we've been seeing the careers uh, filter through Katniss's eyes as just these, like, capital darling killing machine lapdogs. And we don't really see them as anything but obstacles in the way of Katniss getting home and we're happy when glimmer dies because katniss is able to get her bow we're happy marvel died because he killed rue and we're glad thresh killed clove so that katniss didn't die and pita can get his medicine and cato has been kind of like built up to be like the biggest threat to katniss in the arena you know the one we should be most scared of even though he effectively kills people half the time at best but whatever um but this moment where he's kneeling next to Clove and begging her to stay with him, it reminds us that he's still a teenager, like Kat, just like Katniss, he's still a child. A child who's trained to kill people, but still a child. Um, And he just wants his friend, or potentially more. We don't really know what their relationship is, but he wants Clove al- alive. Anyway, so... Uh, the chapter ends with Katniss making it back to the cave. She injects the medicine into Peta, who is still unconscious, and then passes out herself. And the last thing she sees is a green and silver moth land on her wrist. So, with all that being said, um, that's the en- end of the chapter. At the end of this part, uh, next week we will get more cave scenes, which... I love and I'm so sad that we didn't get more of the cave scene in the movie but whatever we'll talk about that more later on so uh, thank you guys so, so much for listening don't forget to like follow all that good stuff and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts I would really appreciate if you guys left a review it helps the podcast and so more people can find it because you know with the Ballad movie coming out next year and Hunger Games fandom kind of crawling out of the cave um I just like um I'd love to have more people uh listen to the podcast and build a bigger community because I, lo- I really love talking about the Hunger Games with other pe- people as well and so <clears throat> excuse me it's very late right now I don't know why I put off recording so late but I did this is what I get for procrastinating <laughs> um follow instagram all that good stuff you guys know the drill now if you've been listening for a while but like i said thank you so much i really appreciate it and i probably said that already but like i said my brain doesn't work right now because it is getting late um i'm excited to be back recording again all, all that good stuff uh hope you guys have a great day slash night and i will talk to you next time bye